While the United States was recovering from the Great Depression, countless people remained down on their luck. Over 15,000 Americans were still living in shanty towns throughout the country. The shack-like, self-made shelters that they lived in offered barely any protection from the elements and predators who were taking advantage of the still minuscule police budgets. The poor souls who called shantytowns home had to fight for every penny they made in the daily battle for survival that some would lose. Especially when a hidden killer had set his sights on them. By 1934, Cleveland, Ohio was divided between the economically improving city and the shantytown of Kingsbury Run. While leaders were attempting to rejuvenate the city, a gruesome murderer dubbed the Kingsbury Run Killer was plaguing the citizens. Between the years 1934 and 1938, a total of 13 people were murdered and dismembered. They were all decapitated, most of them while they were still alive. The inhabitants were diverse. Most were transients who would ride the railways, and the rest were immigrants and workers at the nearby bars, brothels, and gambling dens. It was a place for the dispossessed and down on their luck to dwell, a place that was perfect for a madman to choose his victims. It was so easy for somebody to disappear in Kingsbury Run that only two of the 13 victims were ever identified. The pattern of the victims was scattered. There was no rhyme or reason for who was chosen. The first victim was found on September 5, 1934, when a man was looking for driftwood for his fire along the shore of Lake Erie. He saw what looked like a tree trunk sticking out of the shallow water. As he drew closer, he quickly recognized that it was the lower half of a human body. The torso had no head, arms, or anything past the knees. The skin had a red tan color with cuts all over it. Her identity was never found out, even after the search for her missing head. Today, she is only known as the Lady of the Lake. What police didn't know was that they were dealing with a serial killer and had just found their first victim of many. The following year, the killer kept quiet, at least by hiding the bodies. Almost a year to the day of the discovery of the first victim, two more were found close to one another. A pair of teenage boys were playing, and their ball rolled down a hill. When one went to fetch it, he saw two dead men. The first is one of the known victims, 28-year-old Edward Andrassi. The second remains unknown. Both men were decapitated and emasculated, drained of blood, and had rope burns on their wrists and ankles. Like the Lady of the Lake, the unidentified man also had red tan skin. The coroner determined that the cause of death for both men had been decapitation. In January of the following year, the fourth victim was found. Her body parts were wrapped neatly in newspaper and placed into two baskets on the side of the Hart Manufacturing Building. The rest of her body, besides her head, was found ten days later in a vacant lot. 
The same as the previous, she had also been killed by decapitation. Cleveland police were able to use her fingerprints to identify her as Florence Palillo, a local barmaid who lived on the border of Kingsbury Run. The killer, remaining hidden, continued on his murder spree. And in June of 1936, another victim's body was found. Again, two boys saw it as they were walking one morning. They discovered a head wrapped in a pair of pants. The tattooed body was found the following day, alongside the Nickel Plate police station, as if the killer was taunting those who were trying to stop him. The body again had been drained of blood, and the cause of death was decapitation. Fingerprints were taken, and even with the tattoos, the body was never identified. The following month, in July, another victim was discovered. The head and bloody clothes were found close to the body, and there was a large amount of blood that had soaked into the ground. The body had been there for around two months and appeared to have been murdered quickly at the scene. The killer was either interrupted or was becoming bolder with his deadly hobby. The next body was literally stumbled upon in September that same year. A man was hopping the train one morning and tripped over a dismembered torso. That led Cleveland police to search a nearby pool. It was nothing but a trash-filled, stagnant cesspool. The remaining half of the torso and part of both legs were pulled from the water as over 600 onlookers watched. It's believed that the killer was among them. The victim was in his late 20s, and the coroner stated that the lack of hesitation marks where the body was dismembered indicated a killer who was confident and familiar with human anatomy. Just like the previous victims, he had also been murdered by decapitation in one bold, clean cut. It wasn't until February of 1937 that the next body was found. This time, it was the torso of a woman. But her cause of death wasn't decapitation. The coroner found that the head had been removed after her death. In June, skeletal remains were found under a bridge. The skull was discovered first, and the rest of the bones were found in a burlap bag nearby. The dental records identified her as a woman named Rose Wallace, but even after police followed all the leads they had on her, it still led them to a dead end. The next victim was discovered in July of 1937 by a National Guardsman bobbing in the Cuyahoga River. His abdomen had been removed and his heart had been ripped out. The victim was in his mid to late 30s and was also never identified. For the next several months, the killer remained quiet and more concealing with his misdeeds. It wasn't until spring of 1938 when a young laborer on his way to work in the flats saw what he initially thought was a dead fish among the banks of the river. Closer inspection revealed it to be the lower half of a woman's leg. Police pulled two burlap bags out of the river containing both parts of the torso and most of the rest of both legs. For the first time, the coroner detected drugs in her system. detective came and knocked on the door and I said is it Renee and he just gave me that solemn look 
It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. However, he wasn't positive if the victim had a substance use disorder or if the drugs had been used to subdue her. Since they were unable to locate the rest of the body, that, along with her identity, remained unknown. That August, two additional bodies were discovered by three scrap collectors. The woman's torso wrapped in a man's double-breasted blue blazer, and then wrapped again in an old quilt. The legs and arms were discovered in a recently constructed makeshift box, wrapped in brown butcher paper, and held together with rubber bands. The coroner stated that it looked as if some of the parts had been refrigerated. While searching for more pieces, the police discovered the remains of a second body only yards away. Both bodies were placed in clearly visible locations just outside of the case's lead investigator's office, almost taunting him. That was the final straw for all of those leading the case, so they decided to cut the killer off at the pass. That same month, on August 18th, a group of 35 police officers and detectives raided the unhoused encampments in Kingsbury Run. 11 squad cars, two police vans, and three fire trucks descended on the largest cluster of makeshift shacks where the Cuyahoga River twists behind the public square. Raiders worked their way south through the run, eventually gathering 63 men. At dawn, Police and firemen searched the deserted shanties for clues before burning them to the ground. No other victims were discovered after that. Investigators believed the killer was either being cautious, moved somewhere else, gotten arrested on a separate charge, or died. Police outrage and unrest were still increasing. 
and investigators needed someone to arrest to calm the masses publicly. In July of 1939, they found their scapegoat. County Sheriff Martin O'Donnell arrested 52-year-old bohemian bricklayer Frank Dolezal for the murder of Flo Palillo. Dolezal had lived with her for a while, and subsequent investigation revealed that he had been acquainted with Edward Androssi and Rose Wallace. His confession was a bewildering blend of incoherent ramblings and precise details, almost as if he had been coached. Before he could go to trial, Dolezal was found dead in his cell. The five foot eight man had hung himself from a hook only five feet seven inches off the ground. Gerber's autopsy revealed six broken ribs, all of which had been obtained while in the sheriff's custody. To the public, the case was solved and over with, but to the lead investigator, he knew the killer was still on the loose. While the case is officially unsolved, many believe the identity of the torso murderer of Kingsbury Run has been known since the 30s. A mysterious Dr. X was investigated and interrogated by the police, but no physical evidence was found linking him to the crimes. Most likely, Dr. X was Francis E. Sweeney, an intelligent, skilled, and often troubled surgeon who lived near Kingsbury Run. Dr. Sweeney had the surgical know-how as well as access to facilities ideally suited for dismembering bodies. Despite a week-long interrogation by high-level investigators, Sweeney never confessed. However, immediately after Sweeney committed himself to a sanatorium, the murders stopped. The Kingsbury Run murders remain one of the most perplexing cases in our nation's criminal history. One thing is very clear. Investigators had a suspect they believed was undoubtedly the killer, Dr. X. The suspect continued to taunt them for years after the killing had stopped, even after the death of Frank Dolezal. All official police records on this case have been lost destroyed, or removed to protect the police and help cover up their mistaken arrest and the death of Frank. There's also speculation that the mad butcher had hopped aboard a train and moved to Newcastle, Pennsylvania. The town had a swamp often used as a body dumping ground. Several headless torsos were found there in the late 1930s and early 40s. The killer was dubbed the Murder Swamp Killer, and even the lead investigator from Cleveland believed that the two killers were the same man. The identity of both killers were never entirely determined. The Kingsbury Run killings remain one of the goriest killing sprees the United States has ever known. The Mad Butcher remains Cleveland's most notorious killer and is now a part of the library down the hidden staircase. <laughs> 